0: Welcome to Concordia Journal Currents. This is our roundtable discussion on preaching Mark in the liturgical year. I'm Dr. David Schmidt. I teach in the Department of Practical Theology and joining me this uh, session are Professor David Lewis, who is in the Department of Exegetical Theology and Dr. Jeffrey Kloa, who also is in the Department of Exegetical Theology. What we'd like to do in uh, this session and the next one is think about what it is like to be preaching Mark in this upcoming liturgical year. As you look at the liturgical year, you'll notice that uh, we have this year divided into Sundays in a festal season and Sundays in ordinary time, and the way in which the lectionary uses Mark differs in each of those, uh, each of those seasons. For example, in the Sundays in festal time, you'll notice that Mark is not read sequentially, and Mark is not read uh, continuously throughout the Sundays. Actually, you're going to be jumping around dipping into Mark, then going into John, going back into Mark, and you're not reading these in sequence. For example, you'll do the baptism, and then you'll come to the transfiguration, then go back to the temptation. So I thought it might be helpful to approach the Sundays and festal time simply by focusing on Mark and the way Mark treats these major events in the life of Jesus, his baptism, his temptation, the transfiguration, and the resurrection of Christ. And if we could think about those particular events and how Mark's presentation of those events might be different from the other Gospels or pose different challenges for preachers who are preaching to people who might have these within their uh, cultural memory. Uh, I thought that might be a helpful thing for us as preachers. So what I'd like to do in this session is simply two things. First, talk a little bit about the major themes in the Gospel of Mark within which these events occur and then focus in on each of the events and speak a little bit about them. So um, if you guys wouldn't mind, is there a, a way in which you could approach some of the major themes in Mark? As I, as I think about Mark, I think some of the conventional wisdom is basically, you know, Mark's a, a rapid-paced gospel, uses immediately a lot, and maybe Mark it might be written to Gentiles in persecution. Those are things that I think come to mind with Mark, but is there more that would be helpful?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, the, the one real challenge with the Gospel of Mark is that it's, it's so different from the other Gospels, especially, I mean, Luke and uh, Matthew, particularly. Um, all of the Gospels, or each of the Gospels, has their own focus and, and goals in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. But Mark is, is uh, sort of radically different and has a very different portrayal of Jesus uh, than the other Gospels, and therefore, the events you know, that we'll talk about with the festival series here uh, really are understood and function differently in Mark than they do in, in Matthew and Luke. Um, and, and maybe just to kind of lay this out you know, uh, from the get-go here, um, the, the really thing you gotta keep in mind with Mark is, is what the author, what Mark is trying to accomplish. That there's a goal in his writing, and it's not, I wanna say merely, to describe an event in Jesus' life. Okay? Okay. He is trying to get his audience, Gentile, Christians probably, to respond to the work of Jesus in the right way. That, that what this man, the Son of God, has come to do impacts exactly where they are and, and uh, challenges them to live as his followers, to live as his disciples. And, and in order to do that, he chooses actually a, a, a known genre in the ancient world, uh, which, which we call tragedy, um, which, which uh, uh, will help him accomplish that task. So, for example, in a tragedy, it's, it's very heavily focused on the main character, right? Mm-hmm. And this character is constantly beset by challenge. He has a purpose, he has a goal that he knows he needs to accomplish, but everything is arrayed against him in order to prevent him from reaching that goal. Yet, in spite of this, he succeeds, but you might say kind of by the skin of his teeth. So, there's constant uh, opposition to Jesus, there's misunderstanding of Jesus, um, uh, uh, the, the motifs of uh, understanding and not understanding are quite prevalent, misdirections, uh, uh, constant in the Gospel of Mark. And so, it's, it's sort of not surprising that at the end of the Gospel, it's sort of a, well, where is the guy? You know, <laughs> the stage is kind of empty at the end, which is a, which is a characteristic of tragedy.
0: Well, now, with, with tragedy, if I remember correctly, one of the qualities of it is that there is something that has happened that sets the fates yes. against the hero. And, and is there any indication that this is the same here? Is well, there,
1: yeah, in Mark, it's, uh, uh, well, it sets the fates against the hero. Uh, here, it's... it's uh, uh, I mean, I'm
0: just, we're talking about...
1: Yeah, in yeah. classic Greek tragedy. Right, yeah. Here, uh, the, the, it's not the kind of the fates that are the enemy, but the world itself is the enemy okay so jesus breaks into the world in order to bring this deliverance and and everything is against him so it might be kinda you know the sides are opposite you might say uh-huh. that, okay. that you know the fates god the divine side is on his side but everything else is arrayed against him and so there's constant struggle back and forth with with every um, uh, element in this world whether it's uh, the, the demons or the unclean spirits the pharisees the religious leaders whoever even the disciples um, uh, are, are constantly trying to prevent or not understanding what he's doing, yet Jesus is faithful.
0: Now, is this, I, is this you had mentioned that it's a very radical Jesus. Right. Is the radical nature of Jesus related to this particular narrative trajectory, or is it is it a, a, a function of the, the The effect that the writer wants to create on the hearers. I mean, what's well,
1: Dave could jump in here too. I I think though it's uh, it really is related to the the that the the not understanding who Jesus is, and how the revelation or understanding of him happens. That's really uh, the reason for this. So Jesus is is portrayed in a way that uh, is is kind of strange to us. I mean, he his family thinks he's insane. You know, the, the religious leaders think he's possessed by Beelzebul. His disciples who are with him day and night have no idea who he is. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he asks strange questions of people. When people come and ask him things, he gives weird responses. So I think it's really uh, connected to this uh, uh, plot uh, uh, focus of, of uh, misunderstanding who he is. Now, is
0: that because they had expectations of No, him? no, I, I think
1: it's more in the plot development. Yeah. i keep rambling on here, but yeah. in the plot development, it's because the only way you're going to know who this guy is is when he dies on a cross. Okay. So you can try to figure him out. Look at all the miracles. So what, right? Mm-hmm. The decisive revelatory event in the Gospel of Mark is the cross. And, and until you get that figured out, you're not going to understand who this man is.
2: And, and this then speaks to Jesus' identity in the Gospel of Mark. Um, now, as uh, Jeff mentioned, there's a lot of places in Mark where the portrayal of Jesus is uh, sometimes weird, bizarre, even harsh. Uh, this is where you know, a lot of synoptic you know, uh, scholars would argue Mark is actually primitive, and Luke and Matthew are softening the edges. And, uh, and They may be doing that, but I think Mark is intentional in how he portrays Jesus. And so, in the Walking on the Water episode, Jesus is actually passing the disciples by which I mean, it kind of fits in. I mean, they're calling him. They're call, they're becoming afraid. Actually, stops him in what he's doing. He's he's actually planning to walk across the lake oh, all the right way. He's not yeah. not walking yeah. to the boat. Right. And that can strike people as being very odd. But it kind of illustrates this point that their fear actually kind of prevents him at that time doing what he wants to do, which is just walking across the lake. Uh, in Mark's gospel, we have Jesus curse the fig tree, and Mark mentions that it's not the season for figs. Right. Which now you know makes this sound. You know, again, very you know, strange, this portrayal you know, of Jesus cursing a fig tree when he really shouldn't expect to find figs, although the fig tree itself is advertising that it has figs. Uh, and then Mark is the gospel where it says in Nazareth he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. And again, their unbelief is opposing him and who he is. Uh, in Mark's gospel, uh, we have Jesus when he's touched by the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. You know, he asks who touched me and he's looking around for some time trying to find out who he is. People read into this low Christology, but I think it sort of fits this portrayal of Jesus that uh, Jeff is laying out. And then there's the uh, variant reading in Mark 1, where when the leper comes, Jesus is not filled with compassion but angry. And R.T. Franz and his commentary goes with the variant reading in in D that Jesus is angry, not filled with compassion. I actually read it that way too. I think that's right. And uh, and this again, you know, that Jesus is not filled with compassion when this leper comes, but he's ticked. So
0: and do that, you, think, so you think this Jesus who's so radical in Mark, is he going to be radical to us today? Because we know about the cross, we preach the cross well, all the time. In, in a he, sense,
2: where is he going? And this is Jesus' main identity in the gospel of Mark is, you know, the key, the key Christological title is son of God. You know, ha uh, to tu that's who he is. You know, Christus, you know, king of Israel, these titles are there, but the key title identified in the first verse, if you go with, you know, the, the 27th edition he's the son of God Now, even if you even if it's not there in verse 1 this is how God identifies him at the baptism in 1 verse 11 and at the Mount of Transfiguration in 9 verse 7 that well you Jesus, also
0: have it in the in the I mean in a sense in the prophecy quoted because that's an internal well, conversation with God Right. the way right, I will right, send my message right, ahead right. of you right? Right, so, right But this is this
2: is who Jesus is and w- one of the things driving the plot is who knows this you might say that God is a character in, in, the, in the story knows that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is a character. Jesus' self-understanding is that he is the son of God. When he re- redefines family in Mark 3, it's those who do the will of my father. And so he understands himself to be the son of God. Everything he says and does is part of this identity as son of God. And now, what does son of God mean? I don't think we have some of the Mathean freight, you know, where son of God is Israel reduced to one, where son of God is Davidic king. You can find these in Mark, but really son of God in Mark means that he's the one guy who has this unique relationship with God, the one who has been sent into the world to speak for God. So that's the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen Listen to to him. him, Mm -hmm. We're to hear him when he speaks. it It is as if God is speaking, and he acts for God, and he, and he does things that God does, like feeding the 5,000. I think we're supposed to see that as a parallel to Exodus in Numbers, where Yahweh feeds his people in the wilderness, walking on water, and then most importantly, if he is God's son, then he carries out his Father's will, which uh, this is kind of the big shock in the second half of the gospel, as he reveals this in chapter 8, that it's to go to Jerusalem to be rejected, to be to suffer, to be killed, and then on the third day to rise. And so, It's very key. In Mark's gospel, the unclean spirits know who Jesus is. Uh, But in Matthew, where we have disciples confess, you are the Son of God, after he walks on water, and then Peter's confession, in Mark, there is silence. When Jesus gets on the boat in the walking on the water episode, there is no confession. He's the Son of God. And Peter's confession is, you are the Christ. And Mark is saving that confession for the climax of the gospel, which comes... Uh, in 1539 at the foot of the cross the centurion is the only human character in mark's gospel who makes this confession truly this man was the son of god and it's when jesus has you know, faithfully fulfilled what his father sent him to do which is climaxed in his death upon the cross
0: so then so one could say that in in some senses mark would uh, opposed challenges to American conceptions of Jesus that might not have the cross included. Well, uh, certainly, yeah. Jesus
1: know, as a, a nice, friendly guy who right. you know, my buddy, right. know, the guy who gives me stuff, right yeah, very, the guy who, who, who prospers my, my personal life, coach, exactly. yeah, who who personal, personal coach and a right. spiritual yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. at all. In He's fact. my
0: leader. He yeah. strengthens me. And so we're we're really um, we're we're faced with a question of of asking ourselves. Um, who really is Jesus, and how do you know that he is God? Is that, would that be? Well, right? I, I mean, the way I describe
1: it is the, the, the theme of the Gospel of Mark can be described in two verses. In 441, the disciples ask that question, who right. is this man? Yeah. Right. That even the wind and the sea are obedient to him. That's the identity question. The second half of that question is the, is the father of the son who's throwing himself into the fire in chapter 9, uh, verse 10, uh, where he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the issue is, who is this man, and how do I respond? Mm-hmm. And, and the call to discipleship in the Gospel of Mark is, is uh, well, as you say, not, very <laughs> not what Americans want to hear. It's, it's, I'm going to suffer and die, and you are too. And I'm going to lose everything, and you are too. And I've rejected my family as the main uh, unit of, of uh, relationships, and you are too. Uh, so it's, it's, it is so, radical. So not
0: exactly helpful for Mother's Day and Father's it's not Day. It's not a good yeah, don't Yeah, <laughs> don't
1: do Mark 3 for Mother's <laughs> it's Day. Also it's not going it to work. It's a call to service. You know, I, well, and a call to service. I give right. my life in service. Right, to right. so brothers, the rulers so of the you. Gentiles lorded over them, but not so among you. Right. right. Okay. It's, it's a radical so. self-sacrifice, and, and in the same way the Son of Man right, does the right. same thing. Right. So. Yeah, it's, it's very counter to sort of prevailing, if you will, evangelical notions.
0: Okay, so we should be ready for a wild ride as we're yeah. looking at Mark. My music director made a point
2: when we got to Mark 10 where she said most people, she thinks, comes to come to church to be served, right. not to serve. In other words, they can't, Americans go to church to be served, to have their spiritual needs met. You know, We're even told, you know, try to analyze what their felt needs are so we can speak to that. And Mark would, you know, sort of radically say, no. That's that's you 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 you're either coming to serve as the Son of Man served, I mean you are served by the Son of Man, but being a disciple is not about being served, but about serving, and it's contra to how Americans understand. I mean, many Americans understand spirituality and and therefore who Jesus is, because here Jesus is the one saying, you know, I give my life for the for the sake of you. You you give your life for the sake of me and my word, you know, and I'll be ashamed of you. You know, whoever is ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation I'll be ashamed of him when I come. So we're not when, when expecting Jesus
0: father. to walk by us or get angry with us or yeah. Well, so, okay. I guess yeah. that depends if you're
2: if, uh, if, you, if you're an ways. obstacle. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're an obstacle, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. You know.
0: Okay, so so we've got a radical Jesus. We've got a radical different vision of discipleship at least right. from, the American from the American perspective. Parents. Are there other themes that you would see
1: well, we've kind of touched on some of these. I mean, we, uh, I suppose the, the discipleship persecution theme will, will certainly be more prominent than the second half of the church year when mm-hmm. those readings come up. Um, but uh, we've kind of touched on this. A major theme is this theme of seeing and believing, faith, right? So, so right away, the first words out of Jesus' mouth in the Gospel of Mark are, the kingdom of God is here, right? The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is here. Uh, therefore, repent and believe in the good news. So so the proper response is demanded now. And that proper response means understanding who Jesus is. And in Mark, that's couched in terms of seeing and hearing. So you have this motif running throughout the gospel of who sees and who doesn't see. And, and it's, it's obvious in many places, but a classic example is in chapter four, when you have the, the chapter on parables, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he only explains the meaning of the parables to the disciples, not to the crowds. Mm-hmm. And the disciples say, well, why are you doing this? And Jesus says, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not uh, understand, lest they return and it be forgiven them. So, so you have to see, but the point is, Jesus is only gonna reveal himself to those whom he chooses. Mm-hmm. Then you get the disciples later on, by the time you get to chapter eight, they've seen 5,000 fed, 4,000 fed, all the things Jesus does. And then you get this strange little episode, which of course doesn't occur in a lectionary because it's too strange. <laughs> where they have this dialogue in chapter 8 about the leaven in the boat. Yeah, and and yeah. where Jesus raises and How many the, baskets? Yeah, and, well, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, you know, it's like Jesus says, you know, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, and the disciples are saying, what? What's the deal with bread? Mm-hmm, you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. And, and then Jesus is saying, no, haven't you figured it out yet, right? 5,000, what was that about? 4,000, what was that about? And then he asks them, right? I mean, it's it's worth taking a look at. You can't really do this in a lectionary, I guess, but, um, right, uh, uh, so the, five, the, the 12 baskets among the 5,000, how many were left over? Or the five loaves among the 5,000? Uh, the seven among the f- uh, 4,000, how many were left over? They know all the answers. And then he says to them, do you not yet understand?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they don't respond because they don't yet understand, right? They haven't yet figured out who Jesus is. They don't yet see who he is. And so at the transfiguration, you have a revelatory event of now, well, let me show you who I am. Right, takes three disciples up there, boom, transfigured before yeah. their eyes. It's obvious who he is, yet even then they come down from the mountain and they're saying, well, what's the stuff about resurrection from the dead? We don't understand this. You know, so, they're, so they're kind of getting a glimpse, but there's always this kind of stepping back.
0: Well, why, this, why this emphasis for the readers? Well, let's well, do that. I Dave. mean, I think yeah. because he,
2: he's saving that yeah. understanding for the foot of the cross exactly. and the centurion. Right. In other words, a rhetorical effect of this. But
0: didn't the readers know that already?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a challenge to reorient. Right. See, and this is maybe the helpful move for us. See, we like the feeding of the 5,000 because we get stuff. You know, oh, free food, good deal. You know, we like all this stuff of a paralytic is brought to him, he's healed. The blind man is brought to him, he's healed. That's all great stuff, you know. Um, the problem is that doesn't ultimately reveal Jesus. Mm-hmm. You don't have Jesus if that's all you have. And, and, and so what Mark is driving you to is, is not quite away from but to see those in light of the ultimate revelation on the cross. And if you don't understand Jesus through that, and hence your own life through that event, uh, you don't actually have Jesus. You, you, will be, you will be left behind just like all the crowds were, just like the Pharisees were, just like all those people who saw the very same events. Uh, he's driving people to, to that event as, as uh, the defining element of who Jesus is and who you are
2: at the end of mark 37 all the people can say is he's done all things well in light of all these miracles that's the only confession they can muster in chapter 8 all peter can say is you are the christ and you know keeping i mean this is where mark is radically different than matthew you know you don't have the son of the living god with the blessing of simon you don't in, in matthew the parallel event with 11 is that they do understand Right, The disciples then understand, and Mark just leaves them sort of, uh, right. you know, duh. And also, you know, and when, when Jesus comes to the temple in Matthew, he continues to do miracles. In Mark, there's a radical drop-off of the miraculous right. events once he announces his fate. Right. Following that, you've got the uh, casting out of the unclean spirit from the demon-possessed boy right. at the foot of the Mount of Transfiguration. You've got the healing of blind Bartimaeus, the cursing of the fig tree. That's it. That's it. I mean, the miracles drop off once he's going to Jerusalem because now the focus is the cross. And there is a sense in which Mark is saying, if you cannot confess that he is the Son of God at the foot of the cross, you can't confess. You can't confess exactly. Okay. So when Jesus right. is identified... But he's
0: writing to people who are confessing Christ through the cross, But, but right? see,
2: they're, they're but, people... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, so, I we, we haven't really talked about this. I don't know what Jeff is going to say, yeah. but there could be a sense in which these people may... Uh, I mean, if if, they are, if this is a persecution context, yes, right? Right, and and, it, and I think there's, you can make the argument because uh, right. the, again, where Mark parallels Matthew with uh, Peter's answer or Jesus' answer to Peter after the rich young man, what will we receive? And he lists all these things, but Mark adds with persecutions. With persecutions right. right. In other words, there is a there is a blessing for being a disciple. You forsake your family, you get a hundredfold in this life, mm-hmm. with persecutions. And if this is a persecution context, then. You might say, might they, are, to walk away. they are disciples under the cross right now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the temptation yeah. would be to be ashamed of Jesus and his words right. in this sinful
1: and adulterous generation. I do not
0: think it isn't working? Right. Right, that this, well, I think there's
1: actually a, a, a pastoral uh, purpose in Mark as well, even though it's all weird and kind of stuff, that, that as you see the disciples constantly not understanding, constantly doing the opposite of what they should be doing, you know, fleeing at the end where nobody's left, even and this is emphasized again and again and again. Peter is in the courtyard while Jesus is on trial, and Peter, you know, denies, and he's got a slave, you know, people who, he, you know, you should be able to, you know, it's just a slave for Pete's sake. Jesus is standing in front of the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and he confesses. So, so where the characters, of the disciples, are unfaithful and fail, Jesus is always faithful, mm-hmm. and so. In spite of your failures, okay. in the midst of persecution, okay. in spite right. of your struggles, right. I see the comfort. Someone okay. is faithful, and and the, the real hmm. key to this is, in fact, at the at the resurrection. So in sixteen uh, seven, right? It's you know again for Mark, it's just a bizarre scene. We we want all the angels and all the great stuff for Mark. It's a young man sitting there. It's kind of a normal thing, and but but what does the young man say? Right? Um, uh, go say to his disciples and to Peter that he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him just as he said and this this refrain of just as he said just as he said just as he said said occurs again and again in the gospel and so so mark is helping you understand that whatever Jesus says is going to happen happens it happens and when he says that you will see him you will see him in spite of your failure even though the disciples aren't even on the stage Mm-hmm. They will understand Jesus because He is faithful. Well, that's so, you know
0: that that really is nice for the um, in terms of the. Easter celebration, the Old right. Testament reading for that date is from Isaiah 25, 6-9, where you have all of these future acts, there will be a feast on this mountain, right. yeah. we'll swallow up death, we'll wipe away tears, and it right. all culminates, and all of this future act culminates in the phrase, for the Lord has spoken, spoken. Yep. right, Excellent. and so you've got right. that nice pairing then mm-hmm. of that Old Testament right. reading holding on to future promises because of a word. Because of a word, right. Um, and then yeah. you've got the same it, thing exactly. This is
2: in An important part of Jesus' identity in Mark is that he is a man of authority. It stems right. from his identity as son of God. And right away we see that in his teaching, casting out demons, claiming to be lord of the Sabbath, you know, mm-hmm. cl- cleansing the unclean. He is a man of authority. And this is actually what drives the conflict in Mark with the religious authorities, is they do not, re- they do not uh, recognize his authority. He, he acts as one who author- has the authority to forgive sins, heal on the Sabbath they resist him this is the question when he gets to Jerusalem it's, begins with a question of his authority and uh, but we're but because he's a man of authority we as disciples recognize this and what he says is you know and so right, he predicts right. his death it's no surprise that he dies he predicts that he's gonna rise and if you know we end at Mark 16 verse 8 there's no resurrection appearance and this is you know one of the most startling right contrast between Mark and Matthew Luke and John however we've got his word on it and uh, you know there's that there's sort of that ironic scene in his death where the uh, uh you know the chief priests in verse 32 let the Christ the king of Israel come now come down from the cross in order that we would see right. and we would believe right, right. yeah which
1: is ironic cuz it's the exact opposite right. he's not going to do anything right. to demonstrate it right. except die on the cross That yeah. is yeah and, and so going so this
2: is, be the cross this, is, exactly. this yeah. is why the centurion who is uh you know the, basically the centurion uh you know he he's the one who sees how he died, and you might say Jesus is most faithful when he's dead on the cross, most right. faithful to his father because that's what his father wants him to do. That's the conflict in Gethsemane, right. and the most faithful to us. And uh, this is then where this is gospel. I mean, the re- the, re- the rhetorical effect is, and you might if you, know, you might say I think second generation believers we might put a lot on Peter's faith and the faith of the original disciples, and in a sense, Mark is kind of. Almost like Moses speaking to the second generation of Israelites in Deuteronomy 5, not with your fathers, but with you, he made this yeah. covenant. Mark is kind of that. saying, not, it's not there, them, it's with you, you here today. Right. You're the ones who are going to see him. He's yeah. been faithful to and you. And you may
0: not have Jesus' presence among you now, but you have his word. Yeah, we, his word. And, right. yeah. his
2: word is always sure. Right, and and so his, you can hold yeah. on to His that. word is yeah. that we will see him. Right, right yeah. Which, is, which okay. is why in the so, resurrection, the angel called, you know, we talked about this, the, uh, the angel refers to Jesus as the crucified one right. in a perfect participle, he who was, was in a crucified state. You're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified one. Mark is the only one that has that identification right. in, the in the post-resurrection account, account right. to draw us back to, you might say, the front and center in Mark is that is him on the cross. Okay. You know where he proves his faithfulness to his Father and to us. So
0: we've, we've kind of talked about the identity of Jesus, the radical identity, radical discipleship, holding on faith and seeing, and we've, we've ended speaking about the uh, resurrection event. Um, can we talk a little bit about the other events, the main ones that will be preached on that lead sure. up to that? So uh, I guess we could start with the baptism and right. move to the trans- temptation transfiguration. Sure. Okay,
2: baptism. Yeah, right. baptism. Um, the uh, text is Mark 1, 4 to 11. and You're going to find that, uh, especially in the Epiphany season, we repeat a lot of Chapter 1. Uh, yeah. So the baptism is going to be... Not much Mark. Actually, either, actually right, what, you know. Know, when we read about John's ministry, we've already heard that in Advent, right? Then we're going we're to hear the baptism again on the Sunday of the Temptation. The Sunday of the Temptation is going to include verses 14 through 15, which we hear in Epiphany with the calling of the four disciples, and so there's a lot of repeat here, which is kind of interesting. But uh, So we hear again about John's ministry in verses four through six, and uh, you know, key here is his, John's preaching in seven through eight. Uh, the one stronger than I am comes, is coming after me, of whose sandals I, I am not worthy stooping to loose the sandals from his feet. I, on the one hand, baptize you with water, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so John makes this prophecy, then Jesus comes and... uh,
1: Which, by the way, doesn't happen in the Gospel of Mark. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't see that in the Gospel, Mark. Right.
2: Okay, yeah. And, and this, you know, people, I've read some commentaries make it a big deal that Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Spirit. It's kind of a, I mean, it's there. I mean, it really only comes up again in Chapter 3 when Jesus identifies the fact that it's in league with the Spirit that he casts out demons, but not baptizes. Right, not baptizes. This is period. suspended from Mark's story, right. that he actually does this. And you might say, here, the readers sort of assume that it's happened, but it's, yeah.
1: you know, So you're writing to second-generation
2: Christians. They know the right. story. yeah. Okay. Right. You know, okay. But this, this is suspended. But then, uh, you know, now what's different from Mark's account than uh, Matthew, for instance, and this is key because we don't want to fall into Matthew as default mode, which I think is the temptation when we preach Mark is to use Matthew well, actually, as default mode. Well, actually, I was mode. looking
0: at the, uh, the, the history of the lectionary and one explanation of using the readings that they did use from Mark, um, at least during the, the ordinary time, is that they are taking these Markan readings uh, they're taking the readings from the threefold tradition. So readings that appear three times, they're letting Mark be the one that offers that reading. And then they move... Oh, really? Yeah, right. for, so with Matthew and Luke, then they move to the twofold tradition. But um, anyway, but that probably isn't as applicable in the baptism because you're going to have the baptism right. three different times from three different right. writers. So and with and Mark, Matthew's
2: the one that has the dialogue between John and Jesus about fulfilling right. all righteousness. Right, yeah. So you don't want to go there when you preach on the temptation here. Yeah. Uh, oh, the uh, baptism. On the bapt, yeah. I mean on the baptism. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, when you're preaching the baptism I to to here, under- the yeah, well, <laughs> you know, in other words, you don't want to say this is all about Jesus, you know, doing everything that's right that he needs to do because okay. it's not mentioned in this text. I mean, here Jesus comes, you know, seemingly anonymous. I mean, for all we yeah. know, reading Mark, John doesn't notice him. As in, it's not that John that notices him as being any different than anybody else. It's The father who notices him, and thus we, as the readers and the hearers, we are sort of privy to stuff that even John the Baptist doesn't seem to be privy to in the in the story. So he
0: looks like any other sinner. He
2: seem well. He seems to look like any other sinner, but he's the one. uh, He's the one in verse ten where that. Now this is key because we see this language and imagery repeated at his death. Immediately uh, as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens. uh, He saw the heavens being split you know down the middle torn apart and the spirit as a dove coming down came down, da- coming down uh, into him and I don't know Jeff do you make much with the ace here Well, Mark's
1: prepositions are kind of sloppy so okay that's that's to, what that's what yeah. a lot of people
2: say I know Jim Veltz wants to make more of that but yeah, the spirit his, the spirit comes into him and Jim Veltz would say now Jesus is a Holy Spirit guy but that doesn't seem to be much of an issue in Mark except in chapter 3 and a vo- there was a voice from heaven uh, you are my son the the beloved in you I was well pleased Uh, and now the father's identification of Jesus at this point is what's very key Uh, it's not John's identification of Jesus it's the father's identification of Jesus as the son and uh, if we've been paying attention to mark we know now that Jesus because he received the spirit he's the one John is talking about now are
0: you supposed to are you supposed to hear that you are my son as a voice that only jesus heard or is that i mean is this yeah. a, well no.
2: it's uh i mean he's the one who sees jesus is the one who saw the heavens being ripped open okay. and the spirit coming yeah. down and i think
1: you and have to make that case because at the transfiguration by contrast where the voice the only other time the voice occurs is this is, is mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's talking to the disciples that right. says, this is my son right. listen to him and here it's mm-hmm. you so are it's you are my yeah, Sue, so you are and my there's son. no uptake in the story by any character so john doesn't respond there's nobody around apparently at least in the narrative to respond so the voice appears and disappears and the the voice is for the benefit of jesus and us and And us, us, the reader so we're privileged to know this is who jesus is and in a sense it 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 you know gives us some advantage the disciples you know as we read what the disciples are doing and how stupid they are now we know that they're stupid because Mm -hmm. we know who jesus is they're futzing around "Who, who is this guy well, why even and, asking the question? See, and, and so it, now we're allowed to, to recognize, or or or, I guess, impelled to recognize that the disciples' responses are insufficient.
2: And if you think of Mark's drama, this is what happens: is we, the audience, are privy to stuff that, right. like Oedipus, doesn't really know what's going on. Right. You know, he's looking for a murderer. We know that it's him. Now, could I know? could I ask and, this?
0: You you, you may, know, you, may uh, you, you may not like this, but let me ask: is it is it possible? Because because you know. Uh, The baptism of Jesus historically has been a time when the church actually practices baptisms, just like All Saints Day and Easter Vigil, and the colic references our baptism. Um, So does the reading from Romans. Could it be possible, could it be possible to say something like this, that just as for the reader of Mark, in the baptism of Jesus, the reader knows who Jesus is because of the special revelation that reader has received through these words, Um, so too in our baptism, in our lives, we know who Jesus is because we are baptized into the death of this Christ. Is that a a possibility?
1: yeah except that. i mean
0: because we're not we don't yeah, want to we I mean, don't want to equate the baptism to... of jesus with our baptism no no
1: it's um, not
0: but we are talking. what we're equating is the knowledge of who jesus is right only now more fully known in the cross because we're baptized into in well yeah death. as long is as you, you that bring that the cost? cross in there yeah.
1: I, I guess you're okay and
0: that would be going with romans text so, right yeah. uh,
2: right so i wouldn't do that in preaching this text though i mean in preaching this text i would either reference uh jesus baptism back to seven and eight that Jesus is the guy that John is talking about. But really, there is a kai in verse 12, kai And Mark, you know, we have it break, broken up. You know, we have this be broken up, you know, Sunday, the baptism of our Lord and the Sunday of the temptation. But what it means to be the Son of God in Mark comes, you know, kai As soon as God says this, and immediately the Spirit, autan egbale, bale, throws him into the wilderness. And what it means to be the Son of God here, in other words, I don't want to... Mark is... Putting the focus upon Jesus as the main character, as right, the actor. Right. And uh, so, in a sense, when we're looking at his baptism here, we're not thinking about our baptism. But you, except were, by implication, saying, but but,
0: you were saying that the way it's written for the reader yeah, right, is right, a right. revelation of who Jesus is, right? right? But,
2: but so, the key for the baptism, yeah. he is anointed, right? Yeah. He receives the Spirit, and what is this for? Well, as it plays out in Mark's gospel, I mean, the very first thing we see that happens to the Son of God, he is thrown in the wilderness to engage in this, you know, 40-day warfare against Satan, to struggle against demonic powers. Which you're not going to see
0: at this point in the year, because epiphany is about the revealing of Christ. And you start with you revealing in humility at the baptism and revealing in glory at the transfiguration. So that's your arc. Yeah, for epiphany, temptation doesn't come till then.
2: But all the same, no. I would—I don't so. think you can preach this. I, preaching the the baptism, uh, well, preaching Mark's know. baptism, I, mean, I, I would I, argue. I think
0: the movie you
1: know you're trying to make is—is is this is this was revelatory of who Jesus is, right? And so the natural question for the hearer is going to be, well, how how do I understand who Jesus is? And and uh, ultimately, of course, it's in the cross. So you want to you're going to want to keep that theme in there. But right. but. I think it is a fair question to to help the reader, you know, the hearers in your in your congregation, you know, how do you know that this is right, Jesus? Yeah, you okay. know, yeah, it's yeah. it's been revealed through the word and and maybe even a better connection if you want to go to our baptism is in verse 8, he will baptize you with holy spirit. Right. which is outside the narrative. That would right? be one well, option, so, but that's
0: not in the so yeah. that isn't in the the reading or no, no, it no, no, no I it's mean, in the reading. I mean, the, I mean, that's the that's one way Holy you can Spirit. preach this. Is you, oh, can, yeah, you can good. simply okay. reference
2: back to 7 verse 8 yeah, that Jesus is been the guy. you in the Holy Spirit your baptism. But you might say that's sort of like the resurrection. The post-resurrection appearances are suspended right. from the narrative. So is Jesus doing this, which makes sense if the post-resurrection appearances. I mean, You could just reference back to 7 and 8 and say that Jesus is the one who that, you know, we know because he's the one who baptizes with the Spirit. But uh, all the same, um, yeah. I think well, you're, even on the Sunday, yeah. Sunday of the, temp, or the Sunday of uh, the baptism of our Lord, you're going to be looking to the cross because this is what it means to be the Son of God right. in Mark's yeah. gospel. What, yeah. He's going to—he's fa- the one who's going to faithfully do God's will, which is fulfilled right. them. Yeah. And this is—I uh, uh, mean, this is more literary, in a literary way. Mark has this bookend where uh, what we see happen at the baptism is repeated in a different way at his death. You've got the rending, you've got the use of uh, uh, Schizom. schizomai, you've know the rending, right. you got the rending of the heavens at the baptism, the rending of the curtain, the veil and the, the curtain of the temple at mm-hmm. his death. You've got the confession from above, this is my son, then you got the confession from below, from the centurion, right. truly this man was the son of God. And uh, for Mark, I think this is sort of a literary bookend, bookending of his story, that the baptism is fulfilled at the death ultimately. And right. I think preaching the baptism, you want to make you reference to this. You can get there Good. that way. Well, oh, you need Good. to get there. You need to yeah. get there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, to be meaning that Jesus is the Son of God doesn't mean he has the blessed American life. What it right. means is he, right. he does what God wants him to do, which is to die, which right. is to serve, which yeah. is to sacrifice.
0: Now, we were, we were moving from the baptism into the temptation, so we might want to pick that up. I mean, when you think yeah. of the temptation normally uh, in <laughs> preaching, yeah. the yeah. focus is yeah. kind of a logocentric focus, that we hold on to this word of God right. um, as Christ held on to the right. word and thereby overcame temptation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. And right. the problem is that there actually are no, no words. words. No. <laughs> right. so, is, so what I do mean, you this do? Is, this is
1: almost comical. I mean, it's, it's two verses. So the lectionary, of course, has to add some text because you can't have a two-verse gospel reading. You know, that's yeah. just like you can't have a two-chapter. Why two stand chapter, up for two right? verses, yeah, take, right? yeah, so But I mean, okay. you know, it's just so. So there's nothing to grab onto. I mean, as David said, you know, you got the the spear cast him into the wilderness. I mean, that's that's just verse 12, yeah. right? And then what's described there? He's in the wilderness for 40 days, being tested by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels kept on serving him, mm-hmm. or continued to serve him. The imperfect tense there. So. There's no indication of what the temptations were. In fact, in Mark, you have no indication that Jesus actually won. I mean, did he, did he pass the temptations? Until later right. on. Yeah. Did he okay. pass the temptations or not? Okay. You know? and, and in fact, it makes him look kind of wimpy because the angels have to help him out. You know? They're ministering to, yeah, him, they're
0: ministering to him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. they're ministering
1: to him. Right. They're taking care of him. And, and uh, um, it's, it's just kind of bizarre little thing. Now, now one way to take this is the. Um, Uh, uh, Temptation is not significant to Mark's narrative, so he just kind of puts a little placeholder here and goes on. Eh, That's probably a little weak. Mark's a little better than that. Um, What I think is happening, and and there's a couple ways you can do this, but what I think is happening is Mark is setting up here now the the struggle, as David said, that will continue throughout the narrative. That Jesus is actually breaking into a place that is not his own, or should be his own, but has been kind of overrun by the enemy. He's breaking into this, and now the the game is on. Now is the time when the struggle is going to take place, and and you're setting up the opposition, Jesus and Satan, and and, and this is going to be the conflict throughout the gospel. So, So this explains why you have to get this Jesus right, because if you don't understand him right, you're stuck where Satan is. You are left... In the
0: wilderness. In the wilderness. I was going to say
1: left behind, but I don't want to say that. You're left, yeah, Yeah, uh, yeah. here without Jesus. Right. And and uh, and so it's it's only setting things up. It's not giving you answers yet.
0: Okay. But
2: but the uh, this account includes verses 14 through 15. Well, right, right, which would indicate that it is if Jesus is proclaiming, you know, what he's proclaiming that uh, the time is, the time is fulfilled. The time is here. The kingdom of God is the time is here the kingdom of god is not near but is here uh repent you know kind of right now the urgency and right. believe the the good, the good news, news yeah. that's an indication that he's come victorious that he's emerged victorious but it's kind of you know mark actually but, but not without struggle not without struggle but there's right. this dramatic angle in that you know that we, we're going to see jesus cast out an unclean spirit yeah. in his first official act of teaching at the synagogue in capernaum mm-hmm. and uh and we, we would recognize, oh, that's a sign that he must have won the struggle. But we're going to get a different spin on what Jesus does right. in chapter three when the scribes from Jerusalem interpret this as he's, he's, in, he's in, in league with in Satan. League with yeah. Satan yeah. Which means yeah. that they're in their reading, their understanding of what's going on is kind of, uh, could, could follow because it's really bizarre. You've got the, these demons, so a, these unclean spirits know who he is so, all the time. So, in
0: a sense, the way the temptation is figured here is kind of playing with the hidden and revealed. It's a very mystery. It's a mystery um, as to what happened there that allows him to make this proclamation. And it's not until the very end that we will actually see what happens that allows us to join in such a proclamation. well, you living, to yeah. share in the victory sharing the victory. Yeah, I mean Jesus' yeah.
2: explanation is that he is bound the strong man there in mark right. three right, but it is interesting the temptations framed in this Pericope on the one side. We've got God's voice and the giving of the spirit on the other side We got him proclaiming so in a sense if we're really paying attention We sort of know that he is going to emerge victorious, but
0: but As Jeff said, we don't know how
2: and not without struggle. Yeah, it remains
0: hidden. From In us. other words, it's right. going to be a yeah. war. It's not yeah. like
1: right. get the you know begone right. Satan and Matthew and he leaves and. Well, and yeah. I think you can tie this into the discipleship issue. You know that uh, just just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory. You're still here, where mm-hmm. you know to use Peter's language, Satan prowls like a roaring lion. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and the only way through that, I hate to say, through the wilderness. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but, yeah. but <laughs> the only way through that is is <laughs> is, uh, yeah. is to follow this man. Right, see. Right, to right. follow this man and to, to have a share in his victory. Which,
0: which in a sense, is, I think, is, is a helpful way of opening Lent, although, you know, yeah. you, you, because you're opening it now with a desire to focus on the mystery. Right. And in Series B, the Lenten readings that they, they move away from Mark, they move into John, right. you're going to look at the Paschal mystery in each of those. There will be a proclamation of the cross somehow mm-hmm. in each of those three readings. And so, in a sense, you've got. Um, a mystery going on that yet is uh, uh, some in some way victorious or a declaration right. of power. Right. We're not sure how, and then we're going to we're moving toward, toward that
1: the the ultimate that. revelation
2: right. of that. right but, but in this account, we see that Jesus is the one who, who's received the Spirit. Therefore, he's the and one who's right. going to baptize with the Spirit. He is the Son of God. Uh, we assume he emerges not unscathed but victorious from his struggle. And therefore, what's our response? Well, repent and believe the good news. You know, that becomes the response. What good news? Well, it, it, the, the one he does. The one he does, yeah, what he's, yeah. what he, and we're going to see what he does. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. you
2: know, he, he's going to teach with authority. He's going to cast out unclean spirits. He's going to cleanse lepers. He's going to forgive sins. Notice forgiveness of sins is there, right. but it's among the right. many, things, many things, part right. of this good news. He's going to heal on the Sabbath. He's going to, you know, give blind people sight. He's going to be, uh, he's going to still reveal himself to his disciples who failed. You know no you know, you know in chapter sixteen or the uh you know his disciples and Peter people often focus on that, but I think that 's dramatic because peter 's the guy we focused right. on back in you know and denying him and so if if peter is you know peter's brought out in proximity because he's he 's the guy who really failed, and so <clears throat> he 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 's nevertheless going to be you know part of this good news is we 're going to see him too you know
0: hey, we 're going to need to kind of wrap up with just one last thing we didn't really get to the transfiguration we mentioned it several right, times right. Um, one of the ways you mentioned it was the way it connected to the baptism, to the baptism right. um is there any way in which it connects to the resurrection
1: well uh, it connects to the resurrection only only in, i think a very tangential way i mean the, the 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 verbal connection is that jesus has this it's kind of funny you know this uh, he's he he has this he's gleaming white of such a whiteness that any bleacher on earth can whiten. You know what I mean? It's right. like this, so, you know, tied on steroids or something, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and then you have the young man at the tomb who's dazzling white. So, so an indication of his heavenly, you know, origin. But that's
0: so kind of the only direction. To see it the actual to the cross, connection is exactly. the cross, exactly, yeah.
1: because immediately preceding the transfiguration is his first passion prediction. It's the first time he he openly, as Jesus says or, or Mark says, openly tells his disciples what he came to do. No more guessing. Mm-hmm. No more you know figure this out from the basketfuls of fragments. Now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to die. I'm going to mm-hmm. suffer and you know be handed over. All those sorts of things. And so you have the first passion prediction, then the transfiguration where, where the, uh, his true identity is revealed and, mm-hmm. and almost in a, a slap in the face kind of way to the disciples. Because now the father has to directly address the disciples, not just seeing signs, mm-hmm. but now, look, this is my son. You know, point a finger at him, okay? And then the command, listen to him.
0: Which brings <laughs> us back to that emphasis on uh, that.
1: Yeah, but the problem is they haven't been hearing, right? They've right, been hearing yeah. but not understanding. So now the father says, look, here it is, listen to him, and what is the word of the son? The word of the son is, I'm going to die, and so are you. Yeah, and so you have following the transfiguration, the other two passion predictions, all of which follow, and, and this will come up, I suppose, in the, in the second segment.
0: So one could say that it might be about the, the glory of the cross event. Oh,
1: know. that's a good way to say it, you know, yeah. So you're,
0: you're, you're, yeah. Opening with, you're opening epiphany with the uh, humble, um, revelation of Jesus in the baptism, you move to what they see as the glory of the revelation of Jesus on the transfiguration, but Mark really brings in the glory of the death of Christ on the cross. Right, well, it, it only happens through the, the death, right? Through the death, So you right, do have yeah. this
1: statement where Jesus says, as they go down from the mountain, which we usually don't focus on, I don't, is that in this lectionary? I don't know, but anyways, no. they're coming down from the mountain. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. See, this is, this is how you connect it to the resurrection, that they're not, not supposed to say anything about what they saw, Right uh-huh. until after uh, the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Right, so there you have the connection, uh, a prediction again of his resurrection,
0: um, and that you only understand this after that after event.
1: The, after that event, right? Yeah. Right. So you only so, you know, what does this mean? You only get this through the cross. It go, does it, the, does yeah. it go
2: through verse nine? This reading is
0: it two through nine? It uh, goes through nine. Okay,
2: yeah. so they cut out verse ten where. I mean, they don't is, understand. Yeah, well, they don't means. understand. Right. Yeah, they right. cut so out the, the pattern right. in this yeah. whole section is he predicts they misunderstand. Right. Right. He teaches on discipleship and I think, you know, the the point is the teaching of on discipleship is is for the benefit of us the audience, the reader here, you know. Yeah. And uh, but I think right. but the disciples are dunderheads all through this. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. And their dunderheadedness then gives him the opportunity no, to, to teach, you know. Right. That is a a word in a dictionary. It's a word if you use it. Yeah, it's a word if you use it, that's right. Well, this is enough
0: for our discussion (laughs) of uh, at least preaching from Mark uh, in the Sundays of the Festal season. And uh, please uh, feel free to join us later as we talk about preaching the Gospel of Mark in the Sundays during ordinary time. Thank you. Today's roundtable recommends the following additional resources for studying the Gospel of Mark. R.T. Franz's
1: commentary in the New International Series on the Greek Testament, Bas von Ursel's reader response commentary on Mark, and James Veltz's essay, Preaching Mark, in Concordia Pulpit Resources. Also, the print edition of Concordia Journal's Homiletical Helps will focus on the Mark readings for Liturgical Year B. Thanks again for joining us on Concordia Journal Currents.